Welcome to the Homeschool Together podcast. Where one working mom and a stay-at-home dad help you navigate the nuts and bolts of the growing and dynamic world of homeschooling. With a focus on early learners. Like me! All the ins and outs of building and maintaining your homeschool life. Homeschool! Find out tips and tricks to make things like this easier. I'm reading! And ultimately, enjoy educating your kids. And what's that last thing? Have fun together! Did I do good, Daddy? (laughs) Yeah, you did, sweetie. Good job. Hello and welcome to Homeschool Together. We're going to be continuing our homeschool journeys uh, series and we're going to continue with our first year homeschoolers series that we've been doing for the better part of this year as we have rolled into the first year of shutdown (laughs) (laughs) and uh, first year uh, first year of lockdown homeschool. Right. Yeah. We're getting getting, hitting the anniversary dates. (laughs) Yeah. My Facebook timeline is reminding me that this is when it all started. Yeah. Right. And so we've been you know, spending some time in interviewing uh, people who are on our Facebook group and people who follow the podcast and, you know, asking them questions about what their first year was like and what things they learned and what things they they would like to improve and, you know, whether or not they want to continue homeschooling. And today we have a really good interview with Rebecca Rihanna Sang, and it was a really fun interview. But mm-hmm. before we begin, head down in the show notes, we have all of our links, YouTube channels, Facebook, Instagram, 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 Instagram. Yeah, I'm doing some fun stuff over there. Yeah, We're having some fun board game challenges for all you board game folks. Our, our Instagram has been really fun. And, and if you're if you're one of the faithful listeners and you like Ariel, you like Matthew, you <laughs> You, you invite us into your brain every day, every few, every every few days. Could you please head over to iTunes and and toss on that really nice review? It'd only take you a few seconds, and it would really help us out. So please do that if you can. Um, but the interview today, we had a a great time with Rebecca. She, it was so relaxed. It was like it was. us talking with an old friend. It was really nice. It was like it was like having tea on the on the porch. It yeah, was like, <laughs> it was it was so relaxed, and you know, it it was funny because her relaxed nature came through, and it was it was it did, and that's and that's kind of her whole her whole um, philosophy was about you know, slow parenting, really connecting with your child. And through this year that she's been homeschooling her, her daughter, she's been really found this deeper connection together. She's an herbalist. So she brings in a lot of nature components and, mm-hmm. and then helping to be the bridge to connect her child with nature and, and enjoy that together and teach her how the world can, you know, and, and the plants can help her and, mm-hmm, and things. Mm-hmm. It was just, it was such a soothing interview, I have to say. Yes. And and I loved just the takeaways and the whole feel of, of what she had to say. Yeah, her big, her big takeaway, you know, with every one of these interviews, you know, you can take different things with you and, you know, not all things apply, obviously. and To every person. To, yeah, to every person. But there's always that little nugget of wisdom that when you're listening to other people going through the same challenges that you are, it's really nice to, you know, see what they're doing and then you can, you know, incorporate that into your life and, and see that little that little point in the interview. You go, oh, I love how she's doing that or I yeah. love this thing. And for me, I, you know, it's that connection. Having more of a stoic mentality when I'm when I'm dealing with a five-year-old, right? <laughs> you know, yeah, they you can would, really try your patience, but remembering to slow yeah. down take a breath, really focus on the connection between us. It, exactly. it was a, it was a great message. It was a, it was an inspiring interview. I love every one of these interviews for different reasons. Like you said, they all have uh, different, different pieces of truth that you find. And I just, 
I, I just love love hearing the stories from other other folks and it makes you feel like you're, you know, especially right now, like we're not in this alone. It's mm-hmm. really hard when we can't go out, we can't do co-ops and other things and that we feel isolated in this. And I love, I love hearing from other families. Yeah. And that's, you know, communication I think is the best thing. And that's, you know, hopefully what we're bringing to the podcast for you and you listening at home and, you know, living in your earbuds, really, really happy to bring these interviews and we got a couple more coming up. Mm-hmm. So, um, not to celebrate the last year, but to celebrate, you as parents going through a very challenging thing, which is homeschooling during a pandemic. <laughs> this one will chalk up as a as a difficult year for all of us yeah. and for a number of reasons. And I'm I'm hopefully that you can see that, you know, other people went through the same thing and there's kind of this brotherhood, sisterhood mm-hmm. aspect of, you know, teaching our young our young learners through this pandemic. So let's hop right into it with Rebecca Rihanna Sang. Hi Rebecca, thanks so much for joining us today. It is my pleasure. I'm such a fan. Thank you. That's so kind. Well, we're so happy to have you uh, in the next in our series on first-year homeschoolers. So uh, welcome. Can you give us some background on your family and what drove your decision to homeschool? Well, I have a blended family. I have my daughter who is five and just about to be six. And then my husband has two kids from his past marriage, but they live out of state. And so we don't see them a lot, as much as we would like, at least. Um, So in a lot of ways, my daughter is kind of growing up as an only child, even though she is not, because she doesn't see her siblings too often. And we were not going to homeschool. I had friends who were homeschoolers, people that I knew. And I always thought that they were pretty crazy (laughs) for homeschooling. Um, (laughs) Even though I had worked in the school districts um, when I was in my 20s. And so I knew a bit about education, but I thought schooling at home just sounded like really a strange thing to do. And my daughter was going into kindergarten. And we live in an area of California, which the school district is really, really struggling here. Um, if you look at, you know, a site like great schools or something like that, you'll see that my local school has like a one out of 10. Um, it's, it's really a, a school that, and all the schools in my area, they're just, you know, they're really doing a lot of hard work, but they've got, you know, there's a lot of places where they need to grow. So we were a little concerned about sending her to the public school and went to a kindergarten information night at my daughter's preschool. And there was a bunch of private schools there and then one homeschooling mom. And she was talking about her experience of homeschool. And at that point, I basically was listening to be polite because she was my daughter's friend's mom. And uh, she came over and talked to me (laughs) afterwards and was like, you know, have you ever thought about homeschooling? And I was still just like, no, <laughs> I am not thinking about that at all. <laughs> um, and, but, but I, I, I was drawn enough by what she was saying that I remembered it. Like she was talking about, you know, how much fun her family had and how they're only doing school a couple hours a day and how much freedom they have and all these things. And I remember that conversation. We ended up enrolling my daughter in a private school from that information night. And when the pandemic hit, I just really could not throw myself into the idea of sending my daughter to school um, and spending a ton of money on it that we really were going to struggle to come up with this year. It just didn't make sense to me. And 
aside from which, um, I guess the other part of it was that I, I really felt when the pandemic hit this huge desire to, to have my little cubs close to me, like some sort of mother bear, you know, I just really wanted mm-hmm. um, to be close yeah. to my daughter all the time. And so we decided to start looking into homeschooling. And once I found homeschooling, I was like completely enchanted by it. I, I fell into it so hard mm. and I felt like it was this piece that had been missing for so long where rather than outsourcing my, not only my daughter's education, but like our relationship and, and what we were going to be doing together and, and that experience of exploration and discovery, I had been outsourcing it for years already by sending her to a preschool that was pretty in depth. It was such a homecoming for me. And it took a little while to get my husband on board with that. He really saw it as like Mm -hmm. something we were going to do during these kind of unprecedented times. And over time, he has really come around and seen that this is something that just makes our family life as a whole so much better. Did he see the connection as well as like a driving force that changed his mind? Yeah, I think so. He said that he began to notice that that Bree and I, we were acting more like, you know, he'll, he'll say things like, you're thick as thieves now, you know, or you're like two peas in a pod now because our, our relationship got so much better and, and her happiness got so much better. And I think that that's maybe something that's different for those of us who are so-called COVID homeschoolers where, mm-hmm. you know, she was sitting behind a screen for huge periods of time before we started homeschooling because there was just really nothing else for her to do. Was that, did you send her to a, like a preschool or like a Montessori type of thing before you, st- you she went into, I think you said kindergarten. Were you doing something before or was it kindergarten her first shot to like leave the house and go into like an education setting? Well, she has only ever done kindergarten at home. So her okay. whole but kindergarten You didn't do a preschool or anything like that? We did. We did a play-based preschool for three years. Okay. So she started to go to preschool when she was 18 months old and went all the way through okay. about four and a half. And so that was the big, okay, that was the big change. Do you know what that reluctance was to, you know, get into homeschooling? Was it like a fear of doing the education? Like, I know that was something that I always, it was always nagging in the back of my mind is like, could I do this? Can I, you know, be the educator? Was that something that you had or was it something else? I think a huge part of my reluctance to homeschool was really two things. One was I couldn't imagine that it was going to be a great choice for my child like the idea that Mm. she would just be at home all the time with no friends I didn't understand that that is not really how homeschools generally function so I just imagined her being so lonely um which and she has Mm. been lonely because of the pandemic but I just I didn't understand that and then the other thing perhaps the biggest thing for me was that you know I have worked my whole life. I've been a career oriented person and been really purpose driven in my work. And so the idea that I would devote that much time to my daughter's education when I was supposed to be doing big, important things in the world felt really like shocking to me, like almost like, like old fashioned in a way that really didn't fit 
how I was raised or who, how I saw myself in the world. And so that has been a really big shift for me in just making this, I, this idea of devotion. Like I really do see that I'm spending a lot of time devoted to my daughter and her life and her experience through homeschooling, but it doesn't feel like, I don't know, I guess I always just saw that as, as a choice that I personally would never make. And it's been actually a really beautiful choice and, and not just for my daughter, but for me as well. It's been a really powerful experience to be with her. Yeah. I mean, I, I can really identify with the thoughtfulness that you're, you're saying how much it, you know, it almost like, um, I mean, we're all secular homeschoolers, but it's very much like a, almost like a religious feeling where you're like connecting very deeply with, you know, the people that you love the most and not realizing that, you know, through that door was such a big, vast world. You know, I, I do feel that as well. A lot of times when I'm with my daughters, some days it's hard. <laughs> it's not, not, not right. always uh, roses and sunshine, but you know, you, you do enjoy the fact that you can you know, connect and you can watch, you know, a lot of things that I always say is I, I watch the eyes and to be able to just, you know, stare at the eyes all day long and see, you know, what they're interested in, what they're not, if they're getting it, if they're, you know, if they're understanding, you know, I, I feel like there's like that deep connection right there. So I, I really, really sympathize with that. Um, do you do a certain, so when you dove into homeschooling, you know, how did you get into it? How did you do your research? Where did you find out all the information or was it from that mom that was there helping you? So what, how how was your how did you find all the, all your information and make all your decisions on where you would go? Well, I am a, a modern homeschooling mom, so like a lot of modern okay. homeschooling moms, I turned to the internet and started joining <laughs> a ton of Facebook groups um, and looking at way too many Instagram posts. It's a it's a deep hole there. Yeah, yeah it's a really deep hole. I I wish I had gone back to that homeschooling mom, but. Um, I, I didn't really know how to contact her super easily. It probably would have saved me some time. <laughs> but um, maybe, yeah, maybe. maybe not. Maybe. There's so many flavors. It's hard to say. Right. We just started, I just started looking on Facebook and looking at, you know, all the different curriculums. And I think one of the things that really drew me really quickly was the nature-based focus of a lot of homeschool curriculums or communities, um, because my family were really, really into nature. And that has been a huge part of our lives. And, you know, like our recreation, our spiritual lives, just everything has kind of gone back to nature um, for a really long time. And so that started to really excite me. And when I started to see curriculums and just posts, even people posting things on Instagram and other places where nature seemed to be such a huge part of school, that started to really excite me. And actually, um, I mentioned earlier that I had done some, I'd worked in education here and there, and I had actually been an outdoor educator right after grad school. And so I had spent a lot of time and seeing how powerful it is to have kids connect to nature as part of, like not as an afterthought to their education, but actually as part of their their real learning. And so when I realized like, hey, that's what homeschool could be like for us. It really fired something up in me. And so then I found, of course, more and more and more along those lines, because that's what we were interested in. Did you settle on a specific curriculum or so you're the third person we've interviewed on the series and you're the third person in a row that's had some education background, like in the sense that you did, you were in the education space. That's interesting. Um, and 
did you settle on a curriculum? We had two eclectic homeschoolers where they kind of hop around. Did you, are you an eclectic homeschooler as well? Or are you specifically a certain curriculum? I feel like from the outside, you'd probably call me an eclectic homeschooler. (laughs) But every time I find a new curriculum that I fall in love with, I really feel like it's going to be the one, you know, Um, like in my heart, I I really believe that this is going to be the one. Um, This is the one. So we started with Blossom and Root, and I was, was an M over the moon about Blossom and Root. And I was like, we were going to, I bought the whole set of Beatrix Potter books. We were going to do everything so old school with all the vintage things. And it was going to be so sweet and harmonious. And my daughter was just not into it. (laughs) She was just, she just, none of it appealed to her, you know? And so we did that for a while. um, And then when it stopped working so well, it was about in November I noticed that neither one of us really wanted to do homeschool anymore, in part because at that mo- particular moment, I was also working a ton. Um, and so I was just kind of doing the bare minimum when even when it came to Blossom and Root. So then we did some unschooling for and game schooling only for a while, for about two months. And um, that was really great for that time period. It really helped us recalibrate and find what she's interested in and just have things be fun again. And now we're back. <laughs> we're back in curriculum. We do Torchlight. We just started that about two weeks ago. Which level? Uh, it's Torchlight Kindergarten. Oh, yeah. We're getting started. We're getting started on Monday. Yeah, I think Monday we're starting ours. We're excited. I'm so, it's so great. It's, it's perfect. A, it looks amazing. <laughs> we love it. Um, and then we also do, we do, I do a different phonics program called Dash into Learning, um, which is really sweet and cute and helps just with the phonics piece. Yeah, we haven't heard about that one. Um, do you have any opinions or so far, how long have you been using it? It's really great. I, I feel a little bit like I'm, um, I'm spreading the good word of Dash into Learning because it's not quite as well known. Okay. Um, we had been using the Teach Your Kid to Read in 20 Lessons. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. Our daughter hated that. She, our, our she daughter hated, hated it. That with the passion. <laughs> yeah. Our daughter, my daughter so does dry. not like it. It's really dry. And really, like, the first three pages, she thought it was fun. And then after that, she would close the book every time I'd bring it out. So Dash into Learning. three pages further than we got. Yeah. yeah. Oh. <laughs> well, yeah, it happens. Dash into Learning is, is a lot more fun, and it's a lot cuter. The, it comes with, like, this series of, like, 10 really small books that you learn from so they're you know they're like easy for the kid to hold and she likes her little books she they come in their own little bag she likes the little bag that they're in and there's a lot of games that um, are involved in the actual kind of learning to blend letters and and those things and so it's been really really good for us to find it because the person who made it is definitely someone who knows a lot about phonics, knows a lot about how kids learn to read. And so it has that, that methodology that I feel like I can trust. But the, the kind of aesthetics of it and the fun of it just really works for our family. We also did try Logic of English for about four minutes. Um, and it was a no-go. <laughs> <laughs> so Us too. <laughs> yeah. yeah. 
you know when they the first song i think torchlight pre-k has you do some of the songs the one the like three sounds of a or whatever and we were like my husband looked at each other and we were just like no this is not no. this is not gonna work no <laughs> <laughs> just this is too much yeah are, are you doing a uh are you doing a math curriculum as well we do i'm almost like oh no should i say this um we do the good and the beautiful <laughs> math um i almost got thrown out of a okay. facebook group recently for saying that but um and we are but, secular you know, hey, a lot of people secularize a lot of people mm-hmm. secularize the good and beautiful that is not um an unusual thing at all yeah, I believe there's a whole, um, isn't there a Facebook page and a website devoted I to it? I think that there is. Yes. Yeah. A lot of people do that because, um, you know, it, they, they, I mean, they do know what they're doing. They've been at it, you know, quite a while. So. Right. And the math really works for her. We were also doing uh, math with confidence before that. Um, and just really similar to the uh, teacher kids read in 20 lessons, like it was working, but it was just a little mm-hmm. boring looking for her. Um, and there wasn't anything really to touch and just for her, like she loves being able to touch things. She loves things that are cute. She loves things that look like games. She wants to have a lot of variety. And so every time I get out her math kit, she's happy. She's like, you know, now there's little bees and now there's little flowers and now there's blocks and there's just like enough stuff that it works for her. And so we, I really do like the math and I'm really clear that i'm not going to use any other non-secular curriculum but that one works for us do you have any specific requirements that are you know specific to california with the rules and the regulations for kindergarten do you have to do anything special we're really pretty lucky because we don't have to do anything until the child is seven we're i'm kind of in the clear and as we were talking about whether or not we were going to homeschool next year because next year my daughter will turn seven during first grade. Um, it became clear, like, well, then now I'm going to have to connect with the state in some way to um, to work it out. And so we are on the waiting list for two different charters. I wanted to try to get into a charter last year. This was actually something that that homeschooling mom I first mentioned talked about. It was like join a charter because then you're going to be able to get the funding to buy the curriculum and the supplies and also a lot of support. And so when I pulled our daughter out of the private school, which was a little bit of a mess because they didn't actually want to release her, but they did, we tried to get on, get into a charter. And one of the things that's interesting is that right when the pandemic hit California and things got kind of intense, our state legislature passed an emergency law that basically said that homeschool charters could not accept any more kids than they had the year before. Basically, they were really anxious about the idea that all of us would do exactly what I was doing, which was fleeing the public school system and uh, join homeschools. So there were these huge waiting lists on every single charter, and we didn't have a, we didn't stand a chance. Um, But this year, because a lot of families are returning to go back to public school, um, there's a lot more space. And so we're on a waiting list for two different charters. And if we get into one, I won't have to worry about what's next for first grade. But if we don't mm-hmm. get into one, then we're going to have to kind of create our own so-called private school and, you know, start doing all the record keeping and everything else uh, that California will require in first grade. 
Yeah, I remember when that legislation came down, I saw it come across the wire. It was very surprising. I wonder if a lot of those public schools have funding tied to the number of schools, the number of kids that are enrolled. Oh, I'm sure they do. Yeah, I think Washington has a similar thing as well. Could you talk a little bit about the charter? It's an Is it an online? Is it a, it's a homeschool charter? Could you talk a little bit more of like the nuance of that charter? So I think a lot of people think charter schools, they think a brick and mortar school that gets funding from the state that does education. Is that what you're going to do or is it going to be something different than that? So the charters that we are looking into are, they have, some of them have online options, but we're not looking into those online options. So what they do is they provide support in the form of um, like a, a teacher or a counselor who can help guide you through the process of, just making sure that your kids are meeting certain standards. Um, they can help you find curriculum if you need that support. They can help you with your record keeping and things like that because you still have to do record keeping with the charters and you also have to chart and keep track of your attendance. And then a lot of them have classes that you can choose to go to if you want to, um, like kind of enrichment style classes. And then I think also that if you do have a kid who is having any kind of special needs, they can support that. So far, we haven't run into that with um, with our daughter. So mostly the reason that I wanted to join the charter was that I wanted to have someone who I could ref- who could reflect back to me. Basically, like, I think this is going great. Do you also think it's going great? You know, just to have a little bit, someone who would, who would give me some kind of guidance around that. Because... Um, I don't, I don't have a huge homeschooling community where I live. I have, there's another mom that I'm really close to who's also homeschooling her daughter this year and we're in a pod together, but her situation is basically like she has an online school and it's very structured. It's not like the way we're doing it. And other than that, I don't know anyone else who's really homeschooling. So I just wanted to have that support on top of that. Um, I was really pretty interested in the, like the funding, you know, like I, I've spent a lot of money on homeschool this year, <laughs> all the books. So I was like, hmm, this would be great to be able to just, you know, have more access to a little support that way as well. You know, the other great thing, often charters will not just with funding, but oftentimes they have the curriculum available there that you can just check out. So if you're looking for the next love of your of your curriculum life, um, it's it's nice to you know, kind of go through our local parent partnership here has a whole curriculum library that we can just go and browse and we can get copies from and things like that. So it's another great resource that they often offer um, in addition to the funding. So kind of nice. You, you you said earlier that you started with the Torchlight K curriculum, the Around the World study. Um, we're excited to start it as well. Could you talk a little bit like there's probably some moms out there, dads out there that maybe are starting this or are going to start this pretty soon, maybe, you know, in the summer or maybe a little bit later this year. What has been your, what does your day look like with that curriculum? And, you know, what do you love about it so far? I really do feel like one of those like a person who's like in a new relationship and I just want to talk and talk and talk about my new crush like all day right now, which is Torchlight. I totally know how that goes. I totally know. The one who has to hear it all is Matthew, unfortunately. So I'm all into it. He's like, I'm telling him all about it. He goes, I'm the one doing it. Why are you, why are you gushing to me? I'm, I'm here. I live with you. And I'm like, no, there's no one else to tell. It's so great. I totally get it. So 
we do Torchlight and all of our curriculum. I, I still really do a lot of the child-led kind of, I don't know, philosophy where, so the, what I do is in the morning when I wake up, because I am one of the few fortunate moms out there who has a daughter that sleeps pretty darn late, left to her <laughs> own devices. Generally, she doesn't wake up until about 9 a.m. So I will often... I know. I'm sorry. What? Um, but she's also awake I have to, I have right to take a drink. I'm about to asleep. faint. I'm about to faint. <laughs> Nine in the morning. Right. But like I said, your your kids are asleep right now. Mine is still awake. Um, so <laughs> it's just well, a small blessing. Small, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I wake up around six and I will usually go for a walk with my dog and drink my coffee and have kind of my own time. And then when I get back, I set up our table with our first couple of activities. And I got this from a person, I think the website is called Days with Gray. And Mm -hmm. um, it's this whole idea of having morning invitations, right? So these are like invitations to do something when you first get up. And so that's what I do with Brie. I set them up. I'll usually set out anywhere from two to four activities. And with Torchlight, what I've been doing is I'll do one or two like kind of fun activities that I set out, and then I'll do one or two of our Torchlight books that I know we're going to read that day. And since mm-hmm. the curriculum is new to us, the books are also new. So she gets kind of intrigued, like, oh, what are these? And they'll kind of be at their own little center or station that I set out. And so we'll do a couple, we'll usually do three or four activities right when she wakes up. We do them with breakfast. She's generally still in her pajamas. Um, We just like go right into school. Sometimes if she seems particularly sleepy, we'll do a couple of storybooks on the couch first, all cuddled up in our blanket. And sometimes that will also be a combination of just um, picture books that we've gotten out of the library and torchlight books. And so it's really cuddly. It's really sweet in the morning time. It's really, I just really feel into where she's at in the morning to see what is going to make the most sense for us. And then we'll usually do some kind of transition. Sometimes we'll take some of our stuff outside and go do it. We have like a big play structure outside. So we'll go do some of our curriculum outside. Sometimes we'll move into the living room or something else, but we'll just change our space in some way. And that's usually when I'll do things like our math or our phonics work after that. Um, so it's usually the the literary arts and the geography and social studies aspects in the morning. And then some of the pieces that require a little bit more focus after that. And I don't follow a daily schedule. I use the checklist that Torchlight provides. And so I just kind of look look over what we've already done and what we still need to do and check them off as we do them. And, you know, if it seems like we're having a really hard time focusing that day, I might throw in some videos that the, that's on the Torchlight curriculum. And other times it feels like we're re- like today was a day where we were just really, really going strong. And we just mm-hmm. kept, I just kept asking her, you want to do some more math you want to do some more of this and she just kept saying yes yeah i love those bottomless pit days <laughs> I, had, <laughs> I had one today too where she was just going all day and i couldn't turn you know she was just interested i could read anything i could we she covered everything i think it was because she owed me a good day after yesterday but 
There's a little give and touch. Um, so on, I think in, um, Ariel let me know that you do a lot of herbalism stuff on your Instagram and just in your personal life. Is uh, Could you describe that and what that is and how you incorporate that into your homeschool life? Yeah, well, I'm certified Western herbalist. So that means that I went to school to study how plant medicine can help, you know, with a variety of things that, you know, health conditions are on the mind, body, and so on. And, um, and before that, I taught school gardening for a while. So I've always been really, really into plants. And I like plants and plants are great. And so we definitely incorporate that into our homeschooling in that, you know, every time we go on walks, we do a couple of walks with friends a couple of times a week. We talk about the plants mm-hmm. and we pick the plants. And, you know, sometimes, you know, it's a little bit, we're a little bit more specific about it. Like earlier last week, we did a whole lot of things with evergreens and pines. And we made shortbread cookies out of <laughs> pine needles. And we, mm-hmm. um, you know, we just did a lot of stuff with specifically that plant. And then other times it's not as much that we're just walking by and I say, Hey, you know, there's some rosemary. Do you remember that plant or whatever else? Um, so mm-hmm. it really depends, but you know, I just really, from a really young age, I want my daughter to really feel like nature is a place that is, you know, not just safe, but that is a place where she can find things that can help her, you know, that where she can connect with these plants and, you know, really experience them as friends. And one of the great things about kids is that they instantly feel that, you know, if you say like, you know, this is, know you know this is a California poppy and it can help you if you're feeling cranky it's it's a friend that will help you if you're feeling cranky they're just immediately like I feel less cranky right now <laughs> you know <It's, laughs> um, they just really get that so you know it is something that's been really really great to share with her uh, and to share with the other kids in my life and I just feel like yeah it's it's definitely been a real gift. And at the same time, you know, she's not quite as interested as I am. Sometimes she often, I'll show her a plant and she'll be like, yeah, yeah, mom. But like, now can we just pretend that we're robots (laughs) or whatever, (laughs) you know? I'm like, okay, that's great too. You know, that's something you went to school for. You, you did education, you know, that's kind of a passion of yours. And I have, you know, my own personal passions, but you know, I'm caring for two, you know, precocious little kid girls and I'm doing homeschooling and everything. How do you balance, you know, your passions with your homeschooling life? And, you know, how do you infuse meaning and that's outside of homeschooling and able to accomplish that, even though you may, you know, be, have a demanding homeschooling life with your daughter? I think that's such a great question. For me, my mornings, even before I started homeschooling, the moment I practically gave birth to Brie, um, my mornings have been like the place where I get to explore those passions. And I was never a morning person before. I was actually a pretty dedicated night owl for most of my life. But that changed when I got pregnant. I started waking up early during pregnancy. And then definitely as I had her and she was a little baby. And then um, later, I just decided that I would carve out morning time as my time to do the things that I'm really passionate about that maybe there isn't time for during the rest of the day. And I feel like that has been such a saving grace during these homeschool days, you know, that I do get to go out in the mornings and take a walk 
or journal or work on a project before she wakes up. And I feel really fed and nourished by that before I even jump into homeschooling. I think it has really saved my sanity. Yeah, I agree. Uh, you know, for the last four, four and a half years or so for me, it's been reading and writing have been my things and Ariel's been very nice to me, letting giving me <laughs> mornings uh, to do that, even though our kids wake up so early. It's been helpful and it's it's a great way to focus that. I know on the stay-at-home dad side of it, we're kind of unicorns. We we tend to exist in a vacuum and we don't really mm-hmm. have that many other sources of you know communication and outlets. And that could be a very frustrating thing. I'm on a couple of forums with other stay-at-home dads and that's a kind of like this feeling of isolation is a is a creeping uh, nagging concern for a lot of dads who tend to be in this role because we are so there's so few of us it is so hard to find others that are doing this um, so that's I, I'm really happy to to hear that you're able to do that and I found that to be the case as well being able to have that outlet to you know channel your creative you know outlet in whatever manner that might be you know I had a you know, tech career. So it's like, you know, very stimulating there. And then to come to, you know, playing blocks all day long, it can feel, you know, like you're losing something, but I've been able to find other patterns that kind of, I'm able to channel my creative aspect to, even though I, you know, I do have still have those tech passions, but I do find meaning in other things now, which is, I think a nice thing. Do you have, you talked a little bit about earlier about, you know, your concerns about homeschooling, you know, if you could, you know, what, what were these, what were your big learning, you know, challenges over the last year being a homeschooler during COVID? You know, what, what were the great things that you learned about yourself, learned about homeschooling in general that you could pass on to other, you know, moms or dads who might be getting into this? Well, I, I do feel like I've really come around to what I think of inside of myself as either slow parenting, kind of like the slow mm-hmm. food movement, but for parenting. Um, or sometimes I think about it as DIY mm. parenting, where I just really embrace the idea of being the primary person or a primary person in my kid's life and her being that for me as well on a much deeper mm-hmm. level. And it's interesting because I probably would have said that that was already true for me a couple of years ago. But I did have this nagging feeling often, and I, I would talk to my husband a lot about it, that like I would always want my daughter to have one less day at preschool than she did. So like we had her at five days, and then I was like, well, how about four? And then we had her at four <laughs> days, and I was like, well, how about three? Like I always wanted that. Um, but I also just kept thinking that, no, I've got to do these other more important things. There are other more important things. My career is more important, and my you know, my kind of contributions to the world are more important. And it isn't that those things, that isn't true, but I just have found such meaning and such purpose and such passion for homeschooling. So I would say that that's really surprised me and, and really helped. I just feel like so much more wholehearted in my life now. And the other thing is, um, you know, I think I started homeschooling originally come from this viewpoint that I was going to be her teacher and that, you know, it was going to be me imparting information to her. And I've really come around and had a lot more joy and success with her being a learning partner and just being in cahoots with her. And having that be this discovery process for both of us has been really 
not only more effective, but so much more enjoyable. And so I wish I had done that from the beginning. I wish I had let myself just be as in love as I could be with the process. And and then the other thing that I would say that has really been great is that I do really prioritize her whims and her desires and where she is in her emotional space every day. And I feel like there's this um, almost like a cultural message we get sometimes of like, oh, well, you know, your kid doesn't want to do this thing, but, you know, they're just kids. That's how they are. And to turn away from that and instead to be in a place where, you know, I, I let myself really listen to that so that on the days that she's not that interested, we don't do that much. And then on the days, you know, that leads itself to having more days where she is going to be really interested and we're just going to dive in for hours and hours and hours. No, I, I really love how you, how you said that and how you, how, how you, I think how you phrased it with the slow parenting or the slow homeschooling is, is a really cool way to put that in, mm-hmm. you know, and you know, the correlation being the, the slow food movement. Um, <laughs> Do you, how do you find yourself doing that that mindset work? You say you go out for walks, you journal. Is is there any way that you cultivated that mindset with like some habits or some methods, meditation, morning meditation, things of that nature? Do you do you do anything specific to kind of ground your mind in that in that that awareness that kind of I need to be in an you know existential mindset for my child and find out what they need in that moment. Do you do anything specific? Well, I have studied meditation quite a bit and done a lot of yoga and things like that. That's been a part of my life for a really long time, maybe a little bit less right now than I would like it to be. (laughs) But I mean, it's definitely in my background. Um, And I definitely, I definitely notice that when I can be really, really present with her, it's just everything goes so much better. My experience, her experience, mm-hmm. everyone's experience. And so that's been really powerful. But I think another part of it has just been trial and error. You know, just really, really seeing what works and what doesn't. And that happens to work for our family. Yeah, I think I think that all of that is is great. Just reminding ourselves to be present. You know, we've found the same when we're when we're not present, when we're distracted, or we're just kind of trying to get through things. It doesn't go well for us either. Um, being really present is such an important thing. So I think that's a great thing to remind everyone. Well, I think culturally too, there's so many distractions. Oh my and there's god! There's so many things. The one, that, the one in my pocket all the time. I know the little, the little monolith in my pocket is always there for me. Uh, do you have any other ways that you, you know, you like? I always have issues with the phone, so I always have to try to put the phone away. You know the TV and and you know iPads and things of that nature. Do you tend to not allow those type of devices in your in the home, or do you limit those in a way to to achieve that? I think, like most modern parents, we are in a constant dance of this question of how do we deal with screens in a way that is healthy, is manageable, is realistic. Um, especially right now when we have so many more limited options around what you would do, right? What I know for me and my family is that I definitely struggle with like phone addiction, Mm -hmm. you know, and have had that problem a lot and have had to make some really strong boundaries with myself 
Um, I read a great book called Deep Work by Cal Newport, yeah. where he talks yeah. a lot about just the the endless distractions of of the phone and how that seems to deteriorate our capacity for presence and focus. And um, like you, I'm really into writing. And what I was really noticing, in addition to the way that it seemed hard to be present with Bree, is that I couldn't write. Like I couldn't sit down and think of what to write because my brain just was feeling like Swiss cheese so much. Um, And I can only imagine that that was also extending to my kid who is, you know, a lot more sensitive just because of her age. So yeah, I definitely, I have really strong boundaries around um, the way that I work with my phone. I try to do some of the things that um, Cal talks about in that book Mm -hmm. and also in his next book, Digital Minimalism, um, around taking, I've taken a lot of apps off my phone and and yeah. all those things and for my daughter too and at the same time we do try to strategically use them one of the most popular things i ever did with Bree was i started something called octonaut school where we just really embraced the fact yeah. that she loves the octonauts and you know we started learning about all the different animals that they study and we started learning about all the different zones of the ocean and buying books around the ocean and everything because she completely adores that show so I guess I'm just saying that I, just like with the Beatrix Potter books, you know, at the beginning of all this, I, I would love to be a family where there were no screens and we all just sat around reading Beatrix Potter, but that is not realistic mm-hmm. for our lives. And so we really, really do try to balance it. And it's definitely a dance and a constant give and take for us. But I think that we're in a really good place with it now. I'm really pretty happy with the, the balancing that we're doing at the moment. Yeah, I think it's it's a it's a tough thing for everyone. Well, we've you know we've just loved having you on the show. Um, can you tell can you tell folks where they can follow you and, and your your family's journey? Oh, I love that. I'm I always love communicating and connecting with other homeschool families and just people in general. Um, I'm on Instagram at Little Witchy Homeschool, and that's a great place to find us and follow our adventures. Yeah, and we'll go ahead and link that down in the show notes so um, everyone can find you. And I'm I'm always following you, seeing the cool stuff that you're that you're doing, and thinking I've got to get outside. That, that's the first thought I usually have. I need to get outside more because that looks like so much fun. Um, and yeah, we'll also include all the other res- great resources you you listed. I'll make sure to put those in the show notes as well. So yeah, I, yeah especially the books and all the all the curriculums that you recommended. I'll make sure to have links there for you. Yeah, thank you so much for joining us. We we really appreciate having you. It was just a pleasure to talk with you finally. Oh, such such a joy. I'm I really like I said I'm I'm one of your biggest fans. So I appreciate, <laughs> I appreciate having the thank chance you. and just to get to just to get to talk to you both. Thanks so much for joining us today and making us a part of your homeschool journey. Please engage with us on social media. Join our Homeschool Together podcast group on Facebook and find us at Homeschool Together podcast on Instagram. We'd love to hear your feedback, questions, and recommendations. Until next time. Happy homeschooling!